Welcome to the Mental Mile. I'm Charisty. I'm Christy. And we are moms, friends, and therapists. So we are going to be talking about distance learning today. I think that's on everyone's mind right now. Now, depending on where you are in the world, you may be back in school in some sort of hybrid form. Charisty and I are in Silicon Valley in California, and we are all of us are definitely starting in the virtual mode. So we wanted to check in with each other to see how we're doing and just share some advice that we've heard and also advice that really hasn't worked for us. Um, So Charisty, how has the return to distance learning been going for you? Oh, thank you so much for asking, Christy. So I, we have been back in school for a week and a half and I have to say it has been real rough. (laughs) Um, It has been much different yep. than it was in the spring, which, you know, I, um, mm-hmm. part of it is two of my kids now are distance learning through the public school system. And before, you know, in the spring, it was just one because of my children's ages. So all mm-hmm. of the devices in the house are in use. And about every 15 minutes from 8.30 a.m. until 2.20 in the afternoon, I'm going from room to room, making sure people are logging in correctly to the right thing. And it's just yep. very busy. What about, what about you? Yes. Well, it's been interesting because I have two kids and um, one is a preschooler and one is a first grader. And at the end of last year, we were just in survival mode. And the, I work for a school district. And in that school district, they were doing live synchronous meetings 15 minutes a day in the morning. But my district for my oldest was not doing that. So we would get on and watch some pre-recorded videos and do some homework assignments. Um, as the months progressed, they did add some live meetings. But I remember you talking about last year having the distance learning being an anchor in your day for your family. But it didn't really feel like that for us because it was so reactive and there wasn't a lot prepared um, that it's actually been sort of, I think that experience that there's more routine. She's doing a lot better with it than I thought, because we went from a few meetings a week to she's in school from eight 30 to two 30. And when I heard that, I just thought that is so developmentally inappropriate. Um, and we'll see how it goes and I'm sure there'll be ups and downs, but it's been all right. And I think, um, what's different too is that my youngest is back in some sort of childcare at his daycare, so that's helpful. Um, and then she, we have headphones for her, so it's less distracting for my youngest when she's on the computer. I don't know about you because you also have a toddler, but a big challenge was if she was going to be on a screen, I couldn't have my toddler watching television because then my oldest would want to watch television. Right. But my toddler was very interested in her screen. And so that was like a huge battle for me. And I know you've got one little one who's not doing distance learning. Um, So I don't know if you've noticed that too. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, the first thing we did um, this, you know, before school started a week and a half ago was I took some time to set up learning stations, one in my daughter's room and one in my son's room, but my two sons share a room. So, you know, the toddler who, who you mentioned, he wants to go in there and I have been letting him go in there for some portions, but I'll bring in like a coloring activity or something. Um, But I've also been setting him up at the kitchen table with like, you know, activities that, um, you know, kind of like sensory activities and stuff. And so it's worked out okay, but I've had to keep them separate. My real problem is that my um, TKer who's, uh, you know, the four-year-old, almost five-year-old wants to keep going into his sister's room who's in second grade. 
And, um, mm. you know, his, his schedule is a little bit less rigid, at least for the first month of school, and then it will change in September. But uh, so he'll just like run in there. And I have to keep reminding him, she's in school, you can't go in there. Because <laughs> <laughs> they really, they really love to play together. So uh, that's been really challenging. But setting up their learning stations in their rooms separate from each other has helped. And then um, I have little door, um, it makes it so the door is is locked. They're, I think they're called monkey monkey door jars or something. I forget exactly what it's called. Oh, I haven't heard of those. And, All right. I'm listening. Yeah. So I, I sometimes people will come over and see them and they're like, what what, what are you doing to your kids for? But they're very <laughs> useful. They keep kids from like smashing each other's fingers if they slam the door. But also in this case, you can okay. move them up to the top of the door so that like you can see in and they can see out, but that they need to kind of ask for permission to come in or out. And I it love just that. helps kind of keep the boundary of like, no, you're in school right now. So you actually do need to stay in here. <laughs> and I'm like, there, right. you know, I'm like going in between the two rooms. So, so, you know, it is what it is. Chirstie, when are you working? Cause I know you have a private practice. So for me, I mean, la- the last three months of the school year when I was working, it was just bananas, right? Because we we're all home, no childcare, trying to do some distance learning. But now my youngest is back in school two days and then it eventually be three days right. a week. I work three days a week. So I am managing homeschooling and trying to work with, you know, support from my partner too. But when are you seeing clients and how are you managing all of that? Yeah. So um, I just do two days a week with clients. And um, so I keep that on um, that on Mondays and Tuesdays. So when we went into shelter in place, I, I moved everybody to hours where I knew that my husband could be there with the kids. So I am seeing okay. in the mornings before his day starts and in the evenings after his day ends. And, uh, okay. And I don't, yeah, I'm not like trying to grow my practice because I don't really have enough. <laughs> I don't have enough capacity. Time. So, uh, but before right. shelter in place happened, I was seeing clients during the school day when all my kids were in school and, you know, cause I had my um, right. other kids in like preschool and stuff. So, uh, so yeah, that has been an adjustment, but in regards to um, this new school year starting, it hasn't really changed my work schedule because I had already changed it. Okay, that makes sense. So I would say for me, um, first week, and I'm going to say first three days because we started on a Wednesday, has gone a lot better than I thought from the distance learning perspective. But I will say to you, I sent you this article that's been going around. I am just very tired and... um, this article was called, let's see, our surge capacity is depleted. It's why we feel awful. And so it gave some sort of language to what we had talked about, I think, in our first or second episode of these sort of ups and downs of feeling like things are manageable. Um, And so it talks about if you have these like critical stressors or natural disasters, you have this surge um, of energy to cope with that. But in a pandemic, it's indefinite. And so you go through these bouts. And I definitely think I hit one of those this week of just being flooded and tired and just the mental energy of getting distance learning up and running. Um, there's so much happening in our political climate right now. And then the reality is we're really, we're, we're managing the pandemic, but we're not, you know, seeing any sort of light at the end of the tunnel that, you know, we're going back to school soon or that things would return soon. So, um, so yeah, I'm definitely feeling that energy depletion. Right. right now. Um, yeah. I've actually been really depleted as well. The, uh, the first two weeks is an adjustment with school, regardless but on top of the things you mentioned um you and i both live um you know in the bay area and there's been wildfires that are very close to our house so we were on alert for 
multiple days that we might have to evacuate and um, <clears throat> which of course we didn't have to do, but the air quality has been so bad that my kids couldn't even go outside. Yes. So, you know, you know me, I run all the time. I, I have right. run one run in the last two weeks, <laughs> which really, yeah. like, it makes me very um, antsy and my kids as well. So, so yeah, it's been a rough two weeks because of all of these things that just are just a little bit too overwhelming for all of us, but we're doing, we're doing the best we can. Yeah. Absolutely. So we thought we'd just talk a little bit about what we're hearing out there in terms of advice around how to get through distance learning and just sort of give our opinion as two therapists and moms around what's working and what's not working. Um, So let's see. I'm a big fan of Big Life Journal, the growth mindset company. I'm like, you would think I'm like, you know, um, doing an advertisement for them fact is, you know, not big enough to do an advertisement (laughs) for them, but I love them so much. Um, So they came out with um, a back to school care package, just like a free PDF that's multiple pages long. Um, You don't have to do everything in it. But what I love about it is like they're colorful, beautiful illustrations that make you excited to just sort of look at the things that work for you. Um, So some of the things I took from there that I really liked, um, like you mentioned, is creating a workspace for your kids Mm -hmm. and a workspace for yourself the best you can. I live in a small home. So that can be tricky. And we're creating workspaces even within our shared big room, but it's still helpful. Um, And she also talked about um, having some sort of symbol, which I really loved as a therapist about when you're changing roles, going from the mom role to the teacher role. Um, And she even mentioned in the package, uh, thinking about Mr. Rogers and how he would take his shoes off. Right. right? And uh, so she gave some ideas around whether you're just verbally acknowledging it, which is what I do. And it's what I do in therapy as well. If I'm switching from one thing to another, or let's say in therapy, you know, I'm doing a safety assessment. We're going more into crisis mode. I'll say, I'm taking my therapist hat off. I'm putting on my crisis and safety hat. I'm going to ask you these direct questions. So I do it more verbally, but I thought that was a really sweet idea about thinking about, you know, having like maybe a lanyard or a necklace you make or some sort of symbol so that they know you're shifting in and out of those roles. Yeah. You know what we, I, in the spring, when we went into virtual learning, I bought um, a little bell that you can use for like meditation. <laughs> yes. And, um, uh, and I introduced it to the kids the day that they started distance learning and said, you're going to call me teacher mommy during the day. I explained to them, you know, what the day would be like. And I said, when it's time for recess, I'm going to ring the bell. <laughs> when it's time to come back, I'm going to ring the bell. And, and um, it worked for a little while. Now, now they hate the bell. <laughs> But, right. But and I do better. think you, you have, <laughs> you have to come up with new things, right? Because with our kids, they get sick of it. I got really excited because you could have another use for your meditation. Yes. Bell. That was a very therapist excited reaction to a meditation. I was like, Oh yes, this is very exciting. Okay. So they got sick of your yeah. bell. Uh, one thing we, that has worked well for my daughter though, and she made it herself was having her own calendar for her day that she like posts next to her desk. That's so great that she could do that and be involved in it and she can understand how to do that too. But then she has ownership. I love that. Um, And this tip came from our teacher, but I think what's been most helpful that we didn't even think of is just getting headphones for my daughter so that it really is a symbol to my younger child that she's in her school zone. Um, And they also issued computers for everybody this year, whereas last year we were using the technology we had at home. In my own district, we uh, where I work, they issued computers for everyone. 
So it's a smaller device, which I think is also less exciting for my toddler. So I've really appreciated that. But I think having the headphones has really helped all of us just sort of separate and have um, more of a boundary. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I need to give the headphones a try. We have some headphones. We haven't used them yet. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good tip. I'm going to take that. <laughs> Um, and the other thing that I have, um, and I just think it was interesting to talk about as therapists that I've coached other parents to do that I finally tried myself mm -hmm. because I really started thinking about this episode of like holding both roles as a mental health professional and a mother. And what is some of the advice, advice that we think is great, but we actually don't take ourselves or um, what do we think just we know doesn't work for us. But I've talked with parents a lot about creating a growth mm -hmm. mindset, uh, homework corner at home. But I've never done it for my oldest because there's really not a lot of homework in kindergarten. Right. Um, but I had a lot of fun doing that too. So if you have a color printer, you can print out some of those um, posters from the Big Life Journal and hang them up. So we have 25 growth mindset affirmations. There's a really wonderful poster about famous failures or things invented by mistake because the whole idea is trying to encourage them to work through difficult things, to keep trying that when they make mistakes, their brain is growing instead of thinking, oh, I'm not good at this. Um, so I've had fun doing that. And I, I will say, I think that's been more for me than my oldest. She hasn't really given it much attention, um, but I got excited to put that together and to start trying something that I've shared with so many parents. Right. Um, I haven't done that. Um, you keep, you know, sharing how much you love the growth mindset journal <clears throat> or the big life journal, excuse me. And um, I actually bought the Big Life Journal to do with my daughter the week that we went into um, virtual learning in the spring. And uh, we don't we do it. We do like a section once every two weeks or so. And um, so we haven't fully finished because we've also taken weeks off. <laughs> and we're doing all that. Um, but it has been like a really great bonding experience. And I think just having something where you're helping your children grasp that concept of like mistakes are okay. And it's actually probably more of a reminder for me than for her, because I'm the one who like, you know, she needs a lot of patience, you know, learning new skills and, you know, simple things are, um, that seem simple to me. It's like the first time she's ever heard these concepts. And so it can take a long right. time for her to like grasp them. And um, when I'm not doing very, like if, when I'm not practicing my own self care or I'm being too impatient, like I respond to her mistakes with like, with anger. And um, so having that growth mindset sort of reminder where it's like, we're both checking in on, you know, having a growth mindset, just having that routine or having a corner, like you mentioned um, ha is really useful because it's just a good reminder that, you know, like everyone is allowed to make mistakes. And in fact, are yes. um, good. Right. Right. Like it's how you. Right. Right. Well, and I think, you know, I wonder too, with me working in an elementary school, if I am a little bit more relaxed about the distance learning, because I work with these teachers all the time who believe in social emotional learning, believe that they want to make sure that these kids are, buffered as much as they can be from the trauma going on right now. And I think for some of my friends that are also therapists too, they've really struggled with, but we need to get all of this done. And, and we don't have to get all of it done. And if someone's having a meltdown on a computer, you just close the computer. It's okay. Um, but I think, you know, there does feel like this pressure, like all these little things need to be hit. 
but we're really not equipped to be homeschool teachers unless that's what you already right. do. Um, and it's been so comforting for me to work with such a huge team of educators that really, I think, shares our perspective as therapists and mothers that, you know, these are really unique times and it's not as important that all these lessons have to get finished it's important that they feel a sense of community in a virtual classroom it's important that they feel comfortable with their teacher it's important that they have emotional tools to help them navigate this time so that's been really reassuring for me but i i don't know about you with your community i'm just hearing so much um pressure on ourselves to just do homeschool right right yeah so i over the summer, I was approached by another parent about joining a pod. pod mm-hmm. which, um, I, ho- hopefully, are, um, you've heard about those. Uh, it's basically yep. like limiting your circle of like who you spend time with so that you can learn in a social environment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so the concept was very appealing to me because I was like, that's exactly what I want for my kids is for them to have more of a social experience in learning because I think that. That's like right. the primary thing that they've lost um, going to virtual school. And yes. so anyways, long story short, it didn't work out for us. Um, longer version is <laughs> that um, as I was meeting with the parents, we I started to realize that we were not aligned in our values. You know, some people were like really mm. academic heavy, you know, wanted to hire someone right. that was like a professional teacher and, and other yes. people mostly I'm speaking for myself here, I realized that my big value was that I wanted my kids to just have the social emotional aspect of it. And I was less concerned with the academics. And so it became a question of like, is this a good fit? Because um, what I value in my kids' education, especially considering their ages, you know, they're they're young. Um, Anyways, so we didn't end up doing the pod because um, basically because the parents all had different values and expectations for what it should do. Um, anyways, did you consider doing a pod at all? You know, I didn't, I think for the same reason as you, I'm, I'm a little less concerned with the academics right now. I do believe when kids are younger, that they learn through play, that I'm really concerned about the social piece. Um, what I love about that experience, even though it didn't work out is that you guys were able to talk about upfront, what your values are and figure out that it, it wasn't going to work before starting it. And then, um, you know, realizing that. And I think, you know, my husband is a little bit more concerned with the academic piece than I am just because I think I come much more from that social emotional aspect. Um, But we both agree that we felt like she can still, we're still going to try it as is. Um, And that the big change that we made in terms of looking at our risk tolerance was sending our youngest back to daycare. And that gives us a lot more room to be able to support um, our oldest in learning. And then we don't have a pod per se, but there are two families that are close by that we feel comfortable hanging out with their children that are similar ages. And the kids wear masks and we hang out outside, but we do see them regularly. So that has felt like enough social connection for us. Um, It was really interesting too, because, you know, we're talking about all these things during a period of, you know, um, just widespread acceptance and support of the Black Lives Matter movement. And so there was a lot of talk about privilege pods as well. And what's interesting, I do think, and don't quote me on this, um, that this came from San Francisco, that there was, I think, a wealthy white venture venture capitalist in San Francisco talking about sort of how they would manage the homeschool system and pods and paying for a teacher to come in. So it became this other question, too, around privilege and just highlighting um, 
how this pandemic is hitting people of different colors, of different socioeconomic status, um, and trying to, if you're going to do a pod, then opening up one space for free to a certain child, or just trying to figure out ways to make it more equitable. Um, so it was a really, you know, just interesting thing to discuss as well from that perspective. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I, as I was like in the process, I listened to so many different um, perspectives, you know, like I was seeking out the opinions on like what should go into a pod and the pros and cons and all of that. And that was really coming up too. And um, I don't know if I heard a good solution to it because I, you know, it's such a tricky, right. it's such a tricky thing. You know, I think like the, if, if you think that pods are the right thing for you and, you know, you don't fall into um, like, let's say you can't afford it you know, then, then you're really limited in, you know, like you are having to get other parents who are in a similar situation to you. And then you're like balancing that. And, um, and, and that's just really hard, you know, like I actually, as we were considering mm -hmm. all this, there were, um, so there were four um, parents that I was dealing with in the pod that I was considering. And, you know, two of them really wanted to hire like like a professional, right? And then me and the right. other person were kind of like, well, we could balance it. <laughs> you know, we could all and take so, turns and right? balance and so it. So as I was considering that, I was like, I am spread so thin as it already is. I just mm -hmm. like, I don't think that I could do that. You know, like, I think in right. theory, I would love to do that. But in practicality, like, it just, uh, I it wouldn't have been sustainable. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and I think that's good to know, right? Just to set yourself up for something realistic. Right. And there's lots of things we want to do, but just protecting our energy at this point feels so important right. to me. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I did end up settling. So I already had like a, like a part-time um, babysitter that comes, she's going to graduate school. And um, so she took off, well, we took off a long time because of the pandemic, but now she's coming back a couple days a week to help me just run the show. <laughs> you know, I'm not leaving Wonderful. the house, but I have to say that is super supportive. If you have family nearby or just, you know, if any amount of support you can get in helping you run the show with your own kids at home, take it because it's it yeah. is so essential to your well-being, and um, and it helps the kids too. I, my kids really um, benefit from having another adult um, running their day some of the time. <laughs> yes, and having just a an infusion of different energy in the house, right. I think, is a benefit for everybody. Right. Yeah. Was there anything else that you heard that just you're like that is wonderful advice in an Instagram post, but in reality, no way I'm doing that. Um, or anything that you thought was going to be great and you tried it and you're like, this is just not working for my family. Yeah. Um, I did see some stuff about you know like setting schedules, uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. and I think like schedules are a little bit tricky because it's like yeah, you want to have a schedule that you can just sort of look to and it can ground your day. Um, but it's also very tricky. This was actually one of the problems I was coming across with the pod as well is that, you know, we're trying to plan all this over the summer. And then I'm like, we have no idea what our kids schedule is going to look like. And now that I'm so glad I didn't do the pod because now my kids are literally <laughs> logging in like every 10 or 15 minutes to something. And yes. I'm like, there's no way we could have inserted like some additional, you know, like learning <laughs> Um, curriculum right. and uh, yeah so I, scheduling I don't I don't know if I have something really specific to say about it but I think there's a lot swimming around on the internet about you know like 
the perfect schedule. And I don't think there is a perfect yes. schedule. I agree with you. And I, I think I was telling you before, right when this all hit, there was a beautiful rainbow colored COVID schedule that was going around Instagram. I think I shared it. I, <laughs> oh yeah, I did too. And I printed it out. And then I thought, well, this is just stressing me out. And I do wonder, this is based in no um, psychological research. I do think um, schedules tend to be more difficult for more um, rigid type A type personalities, which I definitely describe myself as. So if you're somebody who really struggles with organization and you're really spontaneous and go with the flow, and that means I sort of admire you a lot because I don't have a ton of that, then schedules might work better for you. But I've just noticed for me, um, I'm already keeping a schedule, whether it's on a printed color-coded sheet or not. And so sometimes it just stresses me out thinking, well, we've missed part of the schedule and it, it's harder for me to get back into that flexible mindset. Um, so I'd say that's the biggest one for me too, that I've just had to learn to trust my own instinct around how much structure we need in our house. And I lean towards structure. Yeah. So if I'm going to lean somewhere, I usually need to lean, lean towards spontaneity and flexibility versus diving more into a routine. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, the only real routine that um, we that I, has mattered a lot to me, and it only takes five minutes, is just 10 minutes before the school day starts, uh, me and my kids come together, we do a little meditation, I try to get them to, you know, express an affirmation, how they want their day to go, and then we do a group hug. And I think it's just like starting the day with connection, um, just helps everybody feel a little better. But well, that's not a routine, that is like though, this, you know, <laughs> I just think that is the sweetest routine. I love that. Um, something we do in our house is that, and this sort of harkens back, I think, to a lot of the joy of movement stuff you talk about and just moving for three minutes is that we will play um, Whitney Houston's The Greatest Love of All and we will rock out before the day starts because it has a lot of beautiful messages in there about you know how special children are and how they're going to be our leaders and um, you know who doesn't feel more energized when they're listening to Whitney Houston. Absolutely, I love it. Right? <laughs> and I didn't come up with that. So actually, um, I was listening to one of my favorite um, parent podcasts, The Longest Shortest Time, and it's ended, but they have many episodes you can go back to. And Danny McLean um, wrote a book called we live for the we, the political power of black motherhood. And that was the routine she had with her mother in the morning to teach her to live with dignity and grace um, in this society that, you know, where we have huge issues with racism. And, um, and I thought, oh, can I, can I get my kids interested in Whitney Houston? And they love yeah. her. And so we've sort of adopted that. Um, what's the other one? I want to dance. I just want to dance with somebody. Yeah. We like that one oh, too. Yeah. And then there's a remix out right now, um, a really fun remix with Whitney Houston and someone else. I'll have to link it in the show yeah. notes. So, you know, just to get our, our bodies moving and our brains thinking and some positive thoughts in the morning. Yeah, definitely. So that, yeah. that reminds me of like, there's a whole bunch of uh, things that I use with my kids for fun to help them, you know, like de-stress and you know connect with others or you know to get their like physical movement in and one of them some of these are not going to sound new at all because even before COVID hit you know schools were using them but um, I still run into people who haven't heard of them but the dance the you know the dance party that you're describing reminds me of Go Noodle and my kids love yes. Go Noodle and um, I don't know if you know they have like a like a NTV <laughs> <laughs> no. It's like 
it's like kids dancing to like Backstreet Boys and stuff. And I'm the only one in the room that's like, woo. <laughs> do you feel, do you feel yeah. the beat? And your kids are like, no, I, I don't feel the beat, mom. This is not for me. <laughs> My kids are looking at me like, uh, mom. <laughs> Anyways, it's a really cool app and it, it has a lot of um, fun, fun ways to get kids moving. Um, so that's, that's definitely one. Um, what are some that you like? Oh, that's great. I find that a lot of parents don't know about yeah. Go Noodle because um, we can use it for free in education and they expanded the platform for parents for free when the pandemic right. hit. But I find that a lot of parents don't know about Go Noodle. Go Noodle is awesome. They have meditations too. They have loving kindness oh, meditations. Yes. We're both holding our hearts <laughs> right. right now. You can't see. Um, but I've gone into classrooms when we used to be able to go into classrooms and I would do put on that meditation and introduce the idea of being a friend to yourself, just really lovely, um, lovely things. They also have brain breaks in there to help kids when they're break up um, long uh, time periods of learning so they can sort of get their brains reset and focused again and a little boost of energy. So that's a great one. You know, I think we did a lot of cosmic yoga when this first started, but I think just like you with... Um, with your meditation bell, it lost its luster. Right. So we have to like go through and rotate. We also, driven by me, are big fans of the mindful glitter jar because, you know, I'm like almost 40, but love <laughs> glitter as much as a young child. Right. And, but even that, we have to make new ones with different colors. Like we're always looking for different things. Um, and I think we talked about too, um, ending today with just like a recent favorite DIY project because I do think you know, keeping some novelty, especially during this time when we're all at home mm -hmm. a lot is really important, but we know kids were like this even before. I mean, they sort of catch on to our stuff and they're like, Oh no, I'm bored with that. Now I'm going to need, I'm going to need you to reinvent right, this. Right. You're like, all right, here we go. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, yeah. I think in parenting in general, it doesn't matter what the topic is, something that works for you for a time or works for your kids for a time never works forever you know it's like you have to always be mm -hmm. like finding the new thing that does work and you know and cycling through you know maybe you come back to go noodle at some point right now my kids really love go noodle but uh for a while it was cosmic kids but definitely they are burned out on cosmic kids i did a little too much yeah <laughs> um so so yeah you do have to kind of you know um mix it up so but yeah yes. you're asking about the diy so actually this is are we ready to end? We're yeah. ready. Okay, mm -hmm. so <clears throat> we are going to share our favorite DIY projects today. Do you want to share yours first? Sure. So I found this little shout out on Mother Cloud or Mother Could on Instagram. And um, just to make bath time a little bit more interesting because my kids love bath bombs, but it's not sustainable for me to buy a bath bomb for every single bath we take during right. the year. So you take um, a muffin tin and you put those, all those little plastic toys that you have from party favors that you step on and hurt your feet. And you put one in each of the little muffin tin holes. You fill it with water, just add one drop of food coloring because it's very strong. You freeze it and then they can take it into the bath and it melts and it gives the bath a little bit of color. And then they can rediscover this toy um, without you having to buy anything new. And so that's been a hit for us. And just fun for me, right. you know, got to have something right. a little different going on. That's actually what I like about DIY stuff is that um, it's fun for me and for the kids and it turns into something, well, I'm selective. I choose preschool level crafts, <laughs> 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 but it turns into something that like we can share together. 
Um, and I will have to, I will have to take that idea because one of my favorite things to do with my, um, my two younger kids is do what I call play baths <laughs> where I'm like, we can't yeah. go swimming today, kids, but you can play in the bath. <laughs> <laughs> We're rebranding. We're reframing. Anyways, that would be good for a play bath. <laughs> yes. So, um, my, <clears throat> my craft is actually, um, I'm going to share in the show notes my Pinterest page for all my DIY stuff. It's all pretty much preschool um, ideas. So if you know me very well, you'll know that I love cardboard and felt and like toilet paper rolls and, you know, just kind of like recycled stuff. So one of my favorite crafts um, to do with the kids is I and I have a collection from years. Um, I'm sorry, I have like a frog in my throat today. You get the toilet paper um, rolls and the um, and you put a, a hole puncher and you make little holes. You can cut them to different sizes. So they can be bigger or they okay. can be smaller. You can get paper towel rolls too. So you have extra long ones. And then you get straws and you've just made homemade tinker toys. And my kids love this. Oh. I'll just, you know, I bring them out and the kids um, just build stuff. It's really cool. That's you know, great. Know. I've never heard yeah, of that. So, um, so that's one. Another one is I love things with felt. So I make felt storyboards and um, quite books. And I have like a huge collection of like felt stuff. And I will just pin like um, a large piece of felt to our um, easel, you know, the little kids take the easel, mm-hmm. and then I give them a whole bunch of, of um, felt, you know, I have frogs, I have fish, I have, I have like a doll with a whole bunch of different hairdos she can have and clothes, dog, um, house you know just like a whole trees a whole bunch of different scenes and you can just make stories oh that's so lovely I feel like I get the felt out around Halloween time but that's some good I some good ideas to um to use it because I feel like I'll buy it from Amazon and end up with this huge stack of felt and I don't know what to do yeah, with it so a couple of years ago and this is on the on my Pinterest page <clears throat> for Christmas for all my friends who have kids I made a Christmas tree out of felt really large you know like the size of a preschooler and then I cut yeah. out a whole bunch of felt ornaments and um, I had been doing it with my oldest since she was probably about two years old every Christmas instead of her pulling all the ornaments off of our tree I put up the felt tree nearby and she can put on and off the felt ornaments and so uh, I love Anyways, that. that's a really fun activity that is on my Pinterest page. So I'll share that. I'm excited to check that out more. All right. Well, we are going to get ready to sign off for today, but I think, um, I think for me and Chirsty, maybe it's something different for you, but I imagine it's similar. I'm just feel like we're in this together with all the other parents out there. And I, I think just having flexibility and grace as we um, continue with distance learning is the best that we can do us taking breaks, allowing our kids to take breaks. Um, I think that's what I keep trying to remind myself. Right. And prioritizing connection, I think, over academics. Thank you so much for listening today. Make sure to leave us a review and subscribe. That really helps us with the podcast and share it on social media with your friends. And if you want to find out more and follow us, you can go to The Mental Mile on Instagram. And check our show notes if you want to um, check out our books, Self-Care 101 for Busy Parents, which is an ebook by Christy, and Running for Mental Health, a How-To Guide by Chersty. Take care, everybody.